what it do, baby? Yes, sir. Welcome to the Time to Jets podcast right here on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever it is you happen to be listening to us. Please hit us up with a subscribe. That way you can be notified every time we put out a new episode. And of course, if you can, if you do feel so obliged to, please leave a five-star rating and a, and a comment over there. We appreciate the, uh, the positive feedback and, uh, you know, always thank you guys for being part of the journey here. Um, and of course, you know, part of that is being interactive, which, uh, with me and you and being able to talk and go back and forth and share ideas. So how do we do that on the Twitter machine? And as much of a cesspool as Twitter can be sometimes, it's also good because it allows people to connect from places where they would never be able to before. So hit me up on the Twitter machine at Zubeard77. Let me know what you're thinking about hmm, how this Jets team is going to look coming out of Dubai. Heading into, I mean, I don't want to call it a big game versus the Pats, but you want to see improvement from this team from that first game because let me tell you something, between Zach Wilson looking like complete hot garbage, just dumpster juice essentially out there last game, I need to see him look a little bit better here against the Pats, and I know it's up in New England, but it's going to be important for this to to look a little bit better for this team, even if they're not able to get a win. It just, it can't look as bad as it's looked so far. Specifically, though, on offense and specifically in the first half, and we spoke about this last time on the pod. You can go back and listen if you uh, did not get a chance to listen to episode five, the the old bi-week blues but we got into it over there about how bad this offense has been to start games and how flat this team has been to start games. And that's on the coaching staff, that's on the players, that's on everybody in the room, and it's an indictment on your organization when you're not ready to come out and play games. It's an indictment on your team. It should be an indictment on the players and the coaches, everybody individually and as a whole. But... We'll let you go back and listen to most of that from before, just in terms of the venting and letting it all out. I don't need to go back there again. We all know how we all feel about how doo-doo this team has been in the first half. But apparently, apparently, we are we are going to see this team try, or at least you know, you know, make an attempt to right the ship in the first half. And maybe maybe get some things going because Rob Salas said, and he didn't get into specifics. I you know I don't know what that what he has done, what he's planning to do in order to uh, get this result. But you know he said we've made some strategic, you know calculated moves in order to try to get the guys ready to come out early and get it going from the jump. I mean. Whether that be practice starting earlier or starting practice with, you know, first team versus first team. And by that, I mean first team offense versus first team defense. So you're getting the pretty much the most exciting part of practice, a little bit of scrimmage there right out of the gate. It gets guys going. It gets you 
all right, you know, maybe if you're not, a, if you're somebody who, when you're sitting around, you know, you're doing the kind of going through the drills and jogging around and then watching a little bit, watching the second team offense go after it. It gets you kind of in like a tranquilo, like a chill kind of mode where you're just sitting back a little bit more than you are just getting, jumping in right into the intensity of what a game would feel like off the bat. So, I mean, when you look at Zach, that's potentially something that could help him. And, I mean, once you get him going, hopefully then you get the <laughs> the offense going because, I mean, we have seen a time that this offensive line can be due to these receivers can drop passes. So, I mean, just getting Zach going isn't going to be enough. So I think in order to really get this team jump-started and moving the ball early, I think they need to get to a position where they are running the ball and running the ball effectively. And they have three dudes in that backfield who I think should be getting a lion's share of the offensive snaps put in their bellies. I mean, Ty Johnson, he might not be the best pass catcher we got, but he's somebody who is explosive and has shown you through two seasons that he can carry a workload of a running back in this league. I mean, Ty Johnson, he was essentially the number one running back for points of last season, and he did a heck of a job. And, I mean, you got to give him more of a workload here. you got to be getting him closer to 10 carries in a game. you got to be getting Tevin Coleman way closer to 10 touches in a game. I mean, between getting him the ball in the passing game and getting him the ball running it, there's no reason that Tevin Coleman should be walking out of games with two touches or four touches. The guy is too explosive, especially on an offense that needs somebody to make a play. That you got to get him the ball. It's it's ludicrous. I mean, and you look at how many times this team is running the ball in games. Thirteen times last time against the Pats. You cannot do that again. You need to be running this ball 20, 30, 40 times. I mean, twenty. I should take that back. You should be running this ball thirty to forty times in this game. No reason not to. Get your plays run on offense number up. Get your time of possession up. And get a guy who's a veteran who knows what he's doing the ball more often. And I mean, numero trace in the backfield. My guy, Michael Carter, the rook. I mean, this dude has been, I don't want to say he's been great this year because he hasn't been great. But he's been real solid in that backfield. He's been getting about 13 to 15 touches, which I think is a nice sweet spot for him right now. Keep him right there until he proves to you that he deserves more than that because so far he, he's he been good, but he hasn't proven to you that he deserved much more. And that's why I think you need to distribute those 30 to 40 carries between those three running backs, see who can take this role as bell cow running back and run with it. And I think Michael Carter could be that guy going forward. Keep getting him these 15 carries, and I'm telling you, one of these weeks, he's going to break out. He's going to have 100 yards. He's going to have, you know, two touchdowns. He's going to break off a 30-plus yard run. Like, the kid has talent. He's a strong runner, and he's way better than a lot of people think. 
I mean, we we were raving about him earlier in the season, and then all of a sudden we decided our run game was going to become secondary to not really doing much. And I mean, the run game in general becomes secondary when you're down seventeen nothing and thirteen nothing and twenty nothing. You can't really run the ball very much because you need to get a little bit of offense. And when it's the second half at that, then you start slinging the ball around. And that's what's happened with this Jets team all season. They don't establish the run. They don't get first downs. They don't move the ball. And then they end up with the defense being on the field way too long. And then no run game by the third quarter. And Zach Wilson running for his life or chucking the ball on the run, or not getting the ball out because he's just completely flustered by that point at the fact that he's gotten four first downs through two and a half quarters. It's It's got to happen. The run game has to be established early, the rest of the way through the season, and especially this weekend against the Pats. You saw last time versus the Pats, They were able to run the ball early. I mean, and please take that with a grain of salt because they ran the ball twice. They got eight-plus yards on both carries, and then the next play was a Zach Wilson pick, both, both drives. So please take that with a grain of salt that they started the game running well. But that's pretty much the only time that I've seen this team move the ball in the first quarter. So please... Please, Mr. LaFleur, run the damn ball. Look at your buddy out there in San Francisco. Look at what he does. He runs the damn ball down people's throats. That's what needs to happen here, and I get the O-line might not be where you want to be. And listen, there, there are problems all over this team offensively right now, but Just run the damn ball a little bit, and let's see if that can work. Let's just try it for one game. If it doesn't work, fine. We could go back to doing whatever it is that we are doing right now because it's not playing offense. It's it's pretty much just going out there. But please, just one time, try to establish the damn run. You have three dudes who can do it. Let them go to work for you. Let them do the heavy lifting for Zach early on in the games until Zach proves to you that he is deserving of coming out and being allowed to run a drive to start a game. I mean, enough is enough. Enough is enough with this offense being as anemic (laughs) as it's been. And I got to take a step back for a second. Oh, man. But before I talk about the defense here, and I do want to hit on the defense because I saw a very interesting uh, report from one Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, but I'll get to that in a moment uh, because I do want to hit on Elijah Moore real quick. And I think Elijah, you know, he's had a rough start. We all know that it hasn't been what we all expected after hearing the ridiculously glowing comments about him coming out of uh, rookie camp and then mini camps and then training camp and then the preseason. All we heard was fantastic things about Elijah Moore and how 
great he was going to be off the bat and how incredible for this offense and how he could be the offensive rookie of the year and all these crazy zofty expectations and maybe nobody said he could be the offensive rookie of the year but people thought he was going to be a really impactful wide receiver and potentially the best in this class and so far he hasn't done anything he has 66 yards of total offense and i say total offense because i think there are ways to get Elijah Moore involved that the Jets aren't doing right now that they need to change immediately. And I think first first and foremost, they need to start using him similar to the way that San Francisco uses Debo Samuel and the way that LaVisca Chenault is used in Jacksonville or was used in Jacksonville last season more so than this year. But they need to use him as a pseudo running back, as a guy coming on jet sweeps who is running both inside the tackles and to go all the way outside and take it and cut that edge. He's a guy that is way too speedy to not be getting the ball and allowing him to take that turn, at least see what it looks like. Like, that's the thing. There are opportunities for this offense to be good or at least make changes and have some explosive plays or potential for explosion, including playing Denzel Mims a little bit more, which I would, you know, like to see. But that's neither here nor there right now. We're talking about Elijah Moore at this, right now. There are so many ways you can get this guy involved and make explosive plays in this offense, whether it be short passes, screens, getting him these jet sweep runs, cutting him loose. Just There's so many things you can do in order to use him as the weapon that people believe that he can be. And they're just not doing it. And that's part of why this offense is having struggles. There's no change in what's going on. There is no attempt to try to really get people involved. The tight end position is nothing. It means nothing on this team right now outside of you better make sure that you're helping these tackles block. And, I mean, I guess that's a pretty big, big role because they're essentially a sixth offensive lineman at this point. But still, not getting any offensive production out of them is killing this team, especially when you're not having explosive plays from your most explosive player and mainly because you're not getting him the ball or trying to get him the ball. So this week... I need to see Elijah Moore be used in a much bigger fashion than he has been throughout the season so far. Whether that is through getting him two or three carries, whether that is through getting him, you know, a couple of screen passes or a couple of little short dinks across the middle, maybe a slant route, just get him the ball and try to get him a little bit of space to work with. That's all I ask. Nothing crazy. You don't need to get him on these 45-yard, you know, just outs. You don't need him just shooting downfield. It's, it's, it's incredible to me that, you know, Robert Sala acknowledged like, hey, you know what? Elijah didn't have a great stat game, you know, in London versus the Falcons. And I think, yeah, no, no crap, bud. But he goes, oh, you know, he got loose on a 45-yard you know, he got loose on a 40-yard PI, and I'm like, yeah, that's good, but wh those are the only two things you're acknowledging right now. This guy has so much more value to you than just being a deep threat. 
use him as such. And I don't know if it's they're holding things back. They don't think he's ready to do certain things yet. Or if they just literally don't see him as that kind of player. But I need them to start using him in a much more focused fashion. And that needs to begin this week. So those are two ways. Two ways you can get the running game going a little bit too. So tie that all together with the offense. Wrap that on up. Toss it to the side for now until we get back to it in the pregame this weekend. But I want to talk to you about that defense and this little Jeremy Fowler report that he threw out there the other day where he said, and I am very, very happy by this, the Jets are monitoring the cornerback market. And by that, if, you know, and I, I'm sorry I clarify a lot of things, but I want to make sure if there are people that don't understand the lingo I'm using, I'm just clarifying it for you. By the cornerback market, I mean the trade market, not just free agents. So people who might be available, people who are available, people that teams are uh, maybe looking to cut. And there were a couple of, uh, you know, interesting names I thought of off the bat, though, once I saw that Fowler report. And I saw this also in an article, I believe, on uh, Jets Wire that they had these two guys in there, too. But I'm just a humongous fan of them and they're brothers, and I mean, you don't get, you're not going to get both of them, but if you get one, you're going to be in a really good place for the next couple of years if you're able to re-sign them, and the first up, I think you know where I'm going here, but we're going to go Kyle Fuller, corner right now, he's with Denver, he's playing his ass off this year, he's on a one-year contract, so he's a free agent at the end of this season anyway, you might not make the trade for him at this point, I could see a of reasoning not to do that, but the Jets have a lot of late draft capital in this year and next year's draft, so I mean, you could move on from a six-round pick to bring in a Kyle Fuller just to make sure, hey, let's get him in-house, let's see how he looks in this solid defense, let's bring somebody in who can play a little bit of press coverage on somebody instead of having everybody sitting back 15 yards, you know, 10 yards, giving them such a big blanket so that they don't have to worry about okay, am I going to get burned? You need to have guys who are able to have that moxie to go out there and make things happen and be like, I'm not going to get beat. I'm going to play right up in your face, and you're not going to beat me, and I'm going to swat this ball down, or I'm going to pick it. That's who Kyle Fuller is, and that's also who his brother Kendall is. And Kendall, of course, a Washington football team player, (laughs) and that's still... You know, it's still uh, difficult getting used to that Washington football team. Let me tell you something. <laughs> that WFT. Ugh, got to get that ingrained in the brain because, you know, sometimes you throw out that old name and you realize, oh, wait, nah, they're just a football team now. But anyway, back on to the young Kendall over there. I mean, this dude has been one of the better cornerbacks in all of football for the past three seasons, four seasons. He's currently in the second year of a four-year contract, that total for that contract, 40 mil. I haven't really looked into what the breakdown is in terms of what he would get in the third and fourth year and what is fully guaranteed. But what I would say is that's a nice contract if you're able to bring it in right now because you're not paying 
head over heel for one of the better corners in this league. And you put him in a Rob solid defense at the age of 26. And I think you have somebody who might develop into one of the better corner. I don't want to say that the best corner in the league. I'll go that far. If you can get a guy at that level into this defense, I'm telling you, they are going to be arguably the best players at their position in this entire NFL. And it won't even be that close. And I'm, I am confident about that. I am very confident about that. Just watching five games closely from Rob Sala. He's absolutely the real deal when it comes to breaking down defenses and understanding where to put guys in order to get maximum success out of them. If I'm choosing currently between Kendall and Kyle, though, in terms to make a trade right now, I would probably have to make the trade for Kendall just because Kyle's going to be a free agent in the offseason anyway. And I don't see the Broncos re-signing him at the age of 29. He's probably going to want a multi-year deal. So if they wanted to bring Kyle in instead as a more veteran presence and a guy who maybe you could get cheaper, I could see that happening. But honestly, you bring in Kendall, you get him on that deal, you get him in here, you got him for two seasons, and boom, you're right in that window, that sweet spot of that rookie contract for Zach. It works out. You keep him around. You see what happens. I think that's the way to go. He's a great press coverage player. That's exactly what this team needs right now. And if there's one thing I want you to take away from this diatribe about the Fullers and the potential of getting one of them on this team is that Kyle coming here is a future move. That's a move not only for this season, but for next year and the potential for a f- another year after that, and maybe more down the road also. But that's the point. You need to make moves that not only benefit you for this season, but are going to help you next year and down the road as well. And bringing in a 26-year-old that can play press coverage, good coverage, has shown you that he can play at the top level starting cornerback in this league, you have to go and bring him in, especially when he's on a contract as friendly as four years, $40 million, and whatever that happens to break down to for the final two seasons. Like I said, I don't know. I can look into that now. I probably will look into that if this starts to become a reality, if this starts to become you know a little bit of smoke to the fire. Hopefully there is. If you're listening right now, start throwing that out there. You see people say, hey, you know, do you think the Jets should make a move at the deadline? Throw in Kendall Fuller. Throw in Kendall Fuller. Throw Kendall Fuller's name out there. Put it in the universe. The more you put it out there, the more potential it could happen. (laughs) And I don't know how true that really is, but I'm a believer. If you put it out there, it will happen. You know, eventually it will happen. If you just put that vibe out there, if you put that, whatever it is, it'll happen. So... Get on it, people. (laughs) Put out those positive vibes for Kendall Fuller to be a Jet, and hopefully we can make it happen this season because it would be nice to to have a cornerback that can actually (laughs) 
I mean, press up on somebody instead of sitting back 15 yards, man. I'm tired of it. I like Bryce Hall. I think he can still develop. We need to start cutting the cord there. But everybody else, I get it, and it's just it's annoying, though. It's annoying. It really is, especially when nobody can step up and be that dude right now. Eh, we'll see what happens. But this defense is going to get a little bit of help this weekend, even if it's not at the cornerback spot. And, of course, I mean, with Gerard Davis and, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, Marcus May. And now there's no guarantees on either playing this weekend, but Rob Asala has said both of them have the potential to get into the game and be healthy and be able to get out there. So if you're able to get Marcus May and Gerard Davis back out there for this weekend, one, I think Gerard Davis will help the coverage for the linebackers, which has been absolutely abysmal this season. And I saw somebody at Bleacher Report, I can't think of a name right now, but they said that the Jets should bench C.J. Mosley because of how poor his PFF score is. And PFF is, of course, pro football focus. They break down, oh, how does this guy look this week? And they give it a number score out of 100, of course. And he said... Because of how bad C.J. Mosley has been in the passing game, which C.J. Mosley has been terrible, terrible, terrible in pass coverage. But you're not benching C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley is one of the best linebackers in this league. Let's take it back a couple of steps, bud, okay? That means that you, over at Bleacher Report, and I forget who it was, but whoever that is, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm sorry to go there. I'm sorry to take that shot. But... You really are like, I mean, come on, man. It's, it's, watch the game. Just watch the game. Stop looking at stats. Stop only looking at stats and watch the damn game. That, it's that simple sometimes. It really is. But Gerard Davis is now going to be able to hopefully step in and be that dude in terms of helping out our guy. C.J. Mosley be a little bit better. And, of course, Marcus May can do the same thing. Marcus May can step up and play against the tight end and make that make something happen. You could stick Marcus May on a safety. You can, you know, send Marcus May on a blitz so that you can have C.J. drop back a little bit more maybe have a little bit easier coverage on a play. There are just many things that can happen when you have two guys like that back on the field and – I'm happy for Marcus that he's back out there and he's getting some things going. I mean, hopefully he's good with, with everything that's happening off the field. Uh, I mean, listen, decision-making, we've went over that. I, I'm personally in Marcus's camp. I hope he's. I hope he does everything that's important that needs to be done for him to be as good as he can be mentally both on and off the field, because that's very important. At the end of the day, these guys are human beings, and they deserve to be treated as such. So I want Marcus to be good, and I, hopefully he's in a good place, and it's good to see him on the field. So I, I hope that he's back Sunday. I hope he's out there making some plays happen. I hope Davis is out there making his Jets debut, looking like a beast. But We'll just have to wait and see, and we're going to have to monitor both of them and uh, see what news comes out as the week goes along because I'm sure as the practices go here and the injury reports start coming out today, later on today, of course, 
we're going to start to see who uh, who's going to be playing this weekend and who's not going to be playing after a bye week. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. And another quick injury update I wanted to get you guys on is uh, Makai Becton. Becton, of course, you know, had the knee procedure done a couple of weeks ago, four weeks ago to be exact. The timetable we were given was four to eight weeks, which I said four weeks is ridiculous and not going to happen. So, of course, what what happens, people? He's not going to be back this week. And that should have been expected. You should have expected that. So don't be like, oh, no, now he's, he's even more injury prone. No, he's the same player. It's not anything. Nothing went wrong. He's still getting, you know, on track. But this is just something that's going to take time. I don't expect Mekhi Becton to be playing on this offensive line for at least another three weeks and probably four. You're probably not getting Mekhi Becton back till week 11-ish. That's not a bad trade-off. You end up having him for the last seven games. You build him in on this line. Hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he's ready to go. Hopefully he's ready to hit the damn ground running. And you can see what you have over at the left tackle because, let me tell you something, there are some dudes in this draft, and if the Jets are at the top of the draft, man, I mean, this kid, Evan Neal out of Alabama, he's looking like a beast over there. You got you to gotta take a serious look at him. So, Makai Becton, brother, you need to step up right now. You need to make sure that you're doing your thing out there. And that's an interesting topic I kind of just hit on there, but... I won't do it in this episode because it's about that time to wrap up. But at some point in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to drop a little special episode for you guys. And I'm going to give you a little mock draft, a little college preview, guys to keep your eye on as the season winds down and you get the big games, the big rivalries, the big bowl games coming up. The Obviously, the college football playoff and national championship as well. So I'm going to get a... Get a little bit of a a preview for you over there and give you guys an idea of what to look for, especially from a Jets perspective because sometimes you'll be looking at dudes and you'll be saying to yourself, oh, this guy's going to be really good, but the reality is the Jets probably aren't going to be drafting a guy like him that season or you know at his position. So I'll try to get you a little more focused, a little more tailored to the Jets' needs type of NFL mock preview. I'll let you know when I figure out a concrete date for that, but we'll put it out in the next couple of weeks here. <laughs> but for now, guys, I uh, I thank you all for coming through one more time, hitting me up with that good vibes, positive energy. Appreciate you all. Please subscribe, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you're listening right now, you know where you're at. You're listening to it. You found us. So please hit that subscribe. Leave a five-star rating if you can. And thank you once again for listening. Hit me up on the Twitter machine. Let me know what you think about these moves potentially. Would you bring in any of the Fullers? How are you feeling about the offense going into Sunday? Give me your Thoughts for the game on Sunday. I'll read the best ones out if you get them over to me right here on the pregame podcast that, hey, you know what? We got to get back up for it, guys. It's another week. We're back on them. No more buys. 
No more bye weeks. We have to go through this together for another 12 weeks of the season. And I cannot wait. It gets going again this weekend. Right here on Time to Jets. And without further ado, peace. Peace.